0: good evening everyone it is october 14th and this is the turnbuckle post i am one of your co-hosts johnny pipe now as always by the other co-host the main eventer the show stopper jesse the body good evening jesse how we doing hello hello hello
1: I'm a little tired but i'm i'm doing okay How yeah about, so? about the same boat
0: uh it's it's hard to flip schedules man <laughs> working nights all weekend and then you turn around and you come back and you're okay now i'm going to be a regular person the rest of the week so it's, it's right. always the
1: first couple <laughs> of days are like uh feel like the walk that's all right i got a vacation i got a vacation coming up in a couple of weeks so my wife's on vacation this coming week and then i'm off vacation. Nice. yeah that's
0: So next week, our schedule is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm actually going to be in Louisiana next Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and we'll be coming home Thursday. So the earliest our next episode will probably come out might be Thursday, um, unless Jesse get Jesse and I get a hair in our butt to tape before then. Um, So just just keep a lookout for that. We do have an episode that we tape Friday that's up still um, that um, is uh, catching up with current events in WWE but uh we're up to year 2001 review and we got a couple more years to go and this one's going to be packed to the I'll let you take it away my yeah, friend
1: 2001 2001 I remember be a pretty significant year I think it was one of the best years uh, 2001 was one of the best years about 2000 I'm sorry I'm getting confused here So <laughs> okay 2000 was one of the best years As far as wrestling goes, but 2001, I think, was one of the better years as far as the peak of the Attitude Era. Like we talked about with WrestleMania 17 when we did that podcast on that show, Mm -hmm. how that was the peak of the Attitude Era. I believe kind of the whole year was, um, you know, a few few things happened. Just a quick recap. You know, we had two major companies go under. Uh, We had an invasion that started and ended the same year, but didn't quite go as Planned with what people would have liked and we ended the year with the first ever undisputed champion with a competitor that many people didn't see coming as being undisputed champion but the Royal rumble started off this year and i remember that being this was probably one of the better royal rumbles just because going into it i honestly did not know who was going to win the match I know they had built up, you know, the return of Steve Austin. He'd return back at Survivor Series, but I think there were a few options to win this Rumble, and I remember it being one of the better, the better booked World Rumbles in the last couple of years. If you yeah, agree. I, I actually do. I I remember that that was the that was the
0: comeback story, and I, and the thing that always will stick out to me mainly because it's in that promo package from WrestleMania Seventeen. But Austin just absolutely whacking the shit out of Kane with a chair to win the match. Like, I mean, he laid into him and knocked him over the top rope. And I want to say that was the
1: last elimination, but I'm not
0: – my memory's a little fuzzy. It was. Yeah, I mean, he
1: – It was. And actually, Kane Kane had a good performance. He had a dominating performance yeah. in that match. He had, up until that point until Roman Reigns broke his record a couple years ago, 12 eliminations in that match, was the, which was the most eliminations of anybody in a Royal Rumble. So he was booked very strong in that match. So to have him be the one be eliminated by Austin that, that that showed a lot honestly you know it made Austin look strong it still made Kane look strong cuz like I said he was booked so dominantly but I just thought I thought it ended really well like you said with, with that that it took those tremendous chair shots from Austin just to eliminate Kane because oh, yeah. he was he was the threat to win <laughs> Yeah it's it was, it was I mean it was brutal
0: and you know we talked a lot about shots but I mean and, and we're going to talk about it more cuz Austin really gets ways into the chair shots here
1: you know towards the middle of the year. So um, Yeah. Well, I, another good match from that pay-per-view that I remember was a uh, was the ladder match for the Intercontinental Ch- Championship between Chris Jericho and Chris mm-hmm. Benoit. I think this was one of the be- better one-on-one ladder matches I I, ever, I had ever seen. I saw I saw this match again about a year or so ago and it just still holds up very very well yeah
0: those two have incredible chemistry and to add that add that ladder it's it's the same thing with like a brett and a sean or or a sean and a roman or i'm sorry a ramon not roman reigns wow a lot of alliterative names there <laughs> but um but yeah but those two you All know right. you just you just add that in there and you're and you're and you're raising the bar so i think to to that you know those two match whether it's you know in the back of a truck for a bunkhouse brawl or you know if it's if it's a regular straight up match or if it's you know you put a ladder in it and make them climb it i mean i remember the walls of jericho through the ladder rungs as being like a a keystone spot from that match and i mean they just they just tore down the house and that
1: that was the the constant for this era I mean despite what Chris Benoit did and you know he he was a big part of the Attitude mm. Era despite what he did in his personal life I just it, you know you can't look past his professional accomplishments accomplishments because he was one of the best professional wrestlers out there he made it believable his stuff looked stiff and probably that's probably what led to happiness yeah. later on but yeah you know you can't just deny the man's accomplishments and the great matches that he had because he had, he just had excellent
0: absolutely this the thing that I've I've preached on about on the show before about is you know we have to take things in the context of when they happen you know we we can't we can't know that I mean we know that what Chris Benoit's going to do but but that we can compartmentalize and say during this time Crispin Benoit was x and you know the and it's still true it doesn't it does not approve of his actions or or make it make it okay or try to whitewash it it's you know we're talking about 2001 and that's you know that's five
1: years after this so yeah we're, we're not trying to glorify murder not at all but you know and in, in part in part of, of going along with the accomplishments of, of wrestling he was a big huge part of that and he was a big huge part of the attitude era i mean you can't have the attitude there with it, without mentioning people like him and mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho Austin you know he he his name belongs in that and that echelon of superstars that made it what it absolutely.
0: was absolutely absolutely just one quick thing um
1: I mean I love the Eddie Guerrero tribute
0: on Monday that Rico- Ricochet did the uh the the fate uh feign chair shot with um in his match with Cedric Alexander I know uh forward in time but I you did see that right
1: yeah, I think yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was it was pretty good. It was a nice little little throwback there because I know I, Eddie Guerrero was a big influence to a lot of the wrestlers you see today. And, you know, they will all talk about it. Ricochet, Sasha Banks, yeah. um I think Mustafa Ali, and yeah. you know, a lot of them really looked up to Eddie Guerrero and really idolized him. He was a part of him and Ray Mysterio were big reasons a lot of people got into wrestling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we'll we'll talk about Ray before this this project of ours is because I mean, he came in at the tail end, but it was. Was still a, a big addition to the WWE roster at that time.
1: I think he debuted in Indianapolis. Actually, I, I believe I was at Conseco Fieldhouse, and, and it was a SmackDown that was here, and that's when he made his debut. Actually, I think I was there too. So that was it. Was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's when he did. So that was that was pretty cool. Up the sky and it popped him way up in the air when he came
1: out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hang on a minute. yeah. Yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty cool to see live. And then the other thing I'll remember about this Rumble is, like I said, back then in the Attitude Era, the women's division wasn't where it is today. It was very, very sparse. It was very – they had China for some reason at the top of the echelon. But in this pay-per-view, she feigned a neck injury against Ivory that kept her out for a couple months that led up to their WrestleMania match. Uh, It wasn't looked upon real fondly because we all knew what the end result was Mm going to be. But I, I just kind of thought it was cheesy, honestly. Yeah, it was
0: a poor taste, too, when you consider that Owen Hart, you know, died in May. And then they tried to use the same, like, same type of deadpan reaction to China's injury. That was a work, as they did to Owen Hart actually dying. Uh, I, I thought that was kind of tasteless. Um, I, I know that, you know, that probably wasn't the intention, but it just, it doesn't come off well. But that's my soapbox for the day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, Austin, Austin would go on to win the, run, win the Rumble, which would guarantee him a title shot against whoever would win the WWE Championship the next month between Kurt Angle and The Rock. I remember this match specifically because the, the, I don't know if you remember the ending of the match, but the count was messed up. The Rock gave Kurt Angle a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. The referee counted two, and then for some reason he just stopped. And The Rock just kind of looked at him like, "What, what, what the hell are you doing?" And then so he gave Kurt Angle another Rock Bottom, and that was the pinfall. But they really—they kind of messed up the finish. They rebounded nicely, but I just remember that being from that match the way that finish was messed up. I don't know if you remembered that. Uh, I did
0: not. The, the main takeaway I remember from this pay-per-view uh, here, 19 years later, is uh, is the Triple H, Steve Austin, three stages of hell match. That—that's the one that stuck with me. for oh, yeah, several years.
1: Yeah, I believe the first the first fall was a regular match. Mm-hmm. The second fall, which um, I believe Triple H or Austin won that one. Mm-hmm. I think Austin won the, the wrestling match. I think Triple H won the street fight, and then their last one was a steel cage match mm-hmm. that ended with Triple H basically falling on top of Austin to win the match. Yep. Yeah. They both hit each other with something. Triple H hit him with a sledgehammer, and I think Austin hit him with... Something else, but they both kind of fell, and Triple H just happened to fall on top of Austin. Yeah, it was
0: a nice way to put over Triple H as a as a competitor on, on an even playing field as Austin, and you know, especially after Austin didn't want to put him over, you know, the year uh, the, I think it was two years prior, and and uh, the yeah yeah, much. but now I think that was the signal that yeah Triple H is ready to be the guy, and um, yeah, that was a definite you know, feather in his cap.
1: Yeah, it was. It, it kind of led to a storyline too, where, where Triple H, since he defeated Austin, he thought he should be in the main event of of WrestleMania, and he was doing everything he can can to try to get there. But eventually, ended up he ended up facing Undertaker for the first time. We won't spend a too lot too much time on WrestleMania. We've already covered that in depth mm-hmm. in an earlier podcast. I believe it was episode four or five. Uh, if anybody wants to go back and check out what we said about that pay per view, but. Um, you know, that WrestleMania to me is like still today holds up as one of the best WrestleManias. And it was by far the peak of the Attitude Era. You know, you had your TLC2 match that took place there. And then, of you know, the big championship match between Rock and Austin. Like you said, that video package that they did just really sold that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> but the big takeaway from that was that Austin basically turning heel. Aligning himself with Vince McMahon. But even he said it didn't come off well because it happened in the state of Texas where Austin isn't going to get booed for anything that he does. And they even tried the next night on Raw, I remember having him attack Jim Ross, mm-hmm. one of his best friends for a long time, you know, to try to get some major heat on him.
0: Yep. And that, that still didn't really help. It was It took a while to get people to boo Steve Austin because anything that he did aberrant didn't really stick because that was his character. That was what he was supposed to be doing the whole time.
1: So, yeah, it it uh, didn't um, come off well as far as I, he he had to just do some really evil evil things. And I remember one of the things they had him do was, you know, when when him and Triple H, him and Triple H, ended up. Um. Uh, becoming a team because it was the next night on raw was after wrestlemania where the rock challenged austin for the title on a steel cage mm-hmm. and triple h interfered and they ended up putting the rock out well the rock we found out was uh taking time off to film uh scorpion king yep yep so this was a way right him out of out of television and that's when triple h and austin became the two-man power trip and Absolutely. they just did evil, evil thing. I yeah. when they faced the the Hardy Boys. You know, they beat them down with a chair, and then Lita came, was trying to cover them up, and Austin took a chair and just walloped her with it. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, anything he could yeah. try to be a heel, and that's that's one of the things he did. I mean, he really laid into Yeah, he her. did. He
0: didn't. He didn't hold back at all,
1: and that was, you know, I, I admire or I admire his. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was no, go ahead.
0: Gonna say I admire his commitment to you know trying to get that make it work you know he could have easily gave up and said well guess they don't want to boo me and and then continued to do austin type things but he really worked to make it work because he knew that you know his time as a, as a face was running short and it was time to elevate other people to that you know number one face slot
1: <laughs> yeah and, and lita was the right person to do it with because she she was a tough yeah. chick i mean she was a tough woman it even had said beforehand she told austin not to go mm-hmm. easy on her you know give give it everything that he had so she was the perfect one because you know it garnered sympathy but you also knew she was going to be okay yeah she
0: absolutely it. and um, the, the other thing that you know the two-man power trip did that uh you know it would, it would roll into that next month and i'm not trying to push you ahead or anything but um, yeah. No, go ahead. Steve go ahead. Austin, obviously the WWF champion, Triple H would win the Intercontinental Championship, and then they would challenge the tag team champions, the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker and Kane. So they were.
1: Yeah, that was that was at the backlash. Yeah, they were trying
0: to consolidate all the gold yeah. between the two of them, <clears throat> which uh, they actually did. They they defeated the Brothers of Destruction in the main event of that pay per view.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't believe it was a uh, clean finish, though. I think they, you know, of course, cheated to win.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they were healed. Uh, that's what
1: they're supposed to do. I don't. I don't really remember, to be
0: honest. I just remember them holding all the all the gold. That's the. That's what I mainly take away from it.
1: Well, one match I do remember from that was a uh, a thirty minute ultimate submission match between Chris Benoit and Kurt mm-hmm. Angle. That match was excellent. I, mean, I thought it was even better than their WrestleMania 17 match. Obviously, you know the WrestleMania 17 match was remembered fondly, right. but they went into this ultimate submission match, which it was. Some of the stuff they did in the match was just amazing. I, Chris Benoit ended up winning at four to three mm-hmm. in sudden death, but I just thought I thought it was a that was the one other thing I took away from this paper. Yeah, move. and
0: I, I've said in the past, you know, personally, I like that. You know, I like it to look like a fight, so I love that. You know uh grappling and counter reversals and you know trying to make somebody else submit i love that that type of wrestling match and those two just probably at the top of my list of being able to pull that off and make it look somewhat legit i mean obviously we know it's it's pre de- predetermined but but you can still make a interesting and uh, engaging match out of it without you know making it look completely hokey so I, I like I like those type of matches, and I, I do remember that one as uh, something that really stuck out in my mind. But yeah, so I
1: believe uh, Triple H actually around this time lost the Intercontinental Championship to Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Triple H this was where we started to see kind of seeds of dissension between him and Austin because he'd helped Austin retain the WWE WWF title mm-hmm. against Undertaker. At Judgment Day, but Austin did not return the favor to Triple H when he had a steel uh, when he had a chain match, is what it was with Kane. So Kane ended up gaining the Intercontinental Title, and Triple H, you know, lost uh, lost his one because they had they had it all. They were the tag team champions, plus the WWF champion and the Intercontinental champion. Yeah, and I think
0: obviously the 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 plan there, and I think we've talked about this before, is you know that they were going to flip roles. Triple H was going to be the big baby face and Austin was going to be the heel and it would help to elevate Triple H but because right. of an injury that happens here uh, relatively soon that obviously didn't happen and we wouldn't see Triple H until next year which uh, I, I'm excited to talk about his return to Madison Square Garden next next week uh, that was a
1: that was an awesome moment But um, Yeah it was supposed to have happened in December of 2001 but they pushed it back a month to have actually have it happen at Madison Square Garden. Oh, really? But yeah, you're right, man. That yeah, that that ovation for him was just phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest ro- ovations I'd ever heard. Yeah, they.
0: I mean, he had all the all the steam in the world. But man, they. We'll we'll talk about it next week. But man, they pulled the rug out from underneath it, and it was just. Yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so they ended up defending their tag team titles against. Uh, Chris, Chris Jericho, Jericho and Christian the main event of Raw. Is mm-hmm. that what I said? That's what I said. Okay, yeah, I guess Chris Jericho. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess Jericho and Benoit, and I and what I think was one of the better tag team match main events ever. I mean, that the match was phenomenal when you have four great talents like that, you know, you can expect nothing less. But this was also the match where Triple H had his unfortunate injury tearing his quad. Mm-hmm. Uh, was when Jericho had Austin in the walls of Jericho. All Triple H did was was step forward, and when he did, that's when his detour his quad. He knew it, but he went ahead and finished the match. I mean, kudos to him for for finishing, even though he had to be in a great deal of pain. But this would injury would keep him out for the rest of the year. He missed the rest of uh, two thousand and one, which I think he was kind of bummed about. But you know, it's it is what it is. It's, when an injury like that happens, you. You got to take time off and heal it and come back better than you want. Yeah. And
0: like you said, credit to him for, for finishing the match. And luckily that it worked out in a way that they could, you know, write him off television and it didn't greatly, greatly impact what they were trying to do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and then, you know, then Jericho and Benoit uh, actually were on the uh, two sides of, tri- of uh, Steve Austin in the triple threat match for the main event of the King of the Ring that following month so and
1: it I was a kind was of a, way to ben,
0: a dissension between Ben Benoit and Jericho
1: but then again and Benoit got hurt too and this was the match where he got hurt and then he had to take time off I believe he suffered a neck injury I think it was a back body drop or some kind of move where he ended up injuring his neck and he was out for the rest of the year yeah he- so I'm not sure if you remember that or not
0: The uh, don't try this at home package with him on it talking about his neck, um, but yeah, it, it looked like it was a yeah. back body drop that went bad, and that's unfortunate. Um, King of the Ring was actually uh, pretty interesting and pretty uh, noteworthy because of, you know, we not only had that, we had the debut of Booker T, um, and then we as uh, invading WCW, and then we had the Shane McMahon Kurt Angle street fight.
1: One of the craziest matches I've still. Had. Oh yeah, man! I mean, he he practically killed Shane McMahon trying to throw him through that glass. He tried suplexing him through it three times, and when it didn't break, he just went ahead and threw him through it. But I remember there's a few times where you know I've yeah, watched it was documentaries absolutely documentaries on this match where Angle's like, It looked like he was you know Shane was going to break his neck. He said if Shane would have landed a certain way, he could have broke his neck because that glass didn't break. And then the way he yeah, finished him threw off, him the right ankle slams off the top rope. It was, yeah, it was a very good, very brutal match. Because even Kurt Angle broke his tailbone in that match. But he went ahead, he went ahead and finished it. But it was very, very brutal. And he also wrestled twice that night because he ended up wrestling Edge for King of the Ring, which started Edge's t- ascent to the top. Yep, it was
0: really big uh, singles win. And, and beating Kurt Angle to become king of the ring. And it set off a great feud between them, the two of them, that uh, they worked really well together.
1: But, uh, yeah, it was, so we're, to, to remiss is that, so around this, around this time, just going back a couple of months, WCW went out of mm-hmm. business. Uh, happened on a, a simulcast of uh, Ron Nitro, You know, Vince, you know, WWF wrestlers showed up on Nitro. They did a a simulcast, and the whole storyline was that Shane McMahon bought the company. Mm -hmm. And that became the big, you know, turning point of the match between him and Vince at WrestleMania, which we had talked about in the WrestleMania podcast. But it didn't quite go off well because they bought WCW, but a lot of the bigger name talent that WCW had did not cross over with WWE. You know, they were missing Hulk Hogan, Hall, Nash, Goldberg all these bigger stars that people had known I remember they, they tried to do a WCW main event match on a raw it was Booker T against Buff Bagwell and it didn't quite come off well it, was, it was no knock against Booker T he tried his best but Buff was just not he was charismatic he had a good look but he wasn't the best wrestler and that probably was not the right spot to put him in the main event against you know <laughs> Booker T <laughs> Yeah. And, and book you know, and Booker was a he was a a victim of a bad booking. He was able to overcome mm-hmm. it and become one of the greatest WWE superstars. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a rough road for him at first. And that's why a lot of the big name talent didn't come over because they knew what was gonna happen. This was Vince McMahon finally bearing WCW to say, I'm the top dog. I did it, I won. You guys are nothing. You're gonna have to prove yourselves over in WWE. Right. Well, and that was the that was the whole plan you know, coming out of that was they were
0: going, I mean, obviously Vince wants to put his own stamp on it, but you know, it was going to, it wasn't going to be SmackDown and Raw. It was going to be WCW and WWE or WWF. And that, that one main event tanked the entire thing. So, I mean, and they, they they set it up to fail. I mean, you know, they, they made these guys out to be heels. So you have two heels in a main event and then, You know, it it doesn't – and then, you know, Austin and um, Kurt Angle threw him out of the building at the end of the episode and made him both look like – or threw Buff Bagwell out of the building at the end of the episode and made him look like a jackass. And, I mean, obviously, like you said, he's not the best wrestler in the world, but but they set the whole thing up to fail. And uh, it's just unfortunate because it could have been something really cool. And I think – I don't want to keep interrupting you here, but I think – I think Invasion's still, like, they're – biggest selling pay per view ever. And it didn't even have any of those big names on it that you were talking about. And
1: no, yeah. I mean they, they the well is the way they booked it, you know, a lot of the a lot of the matches that they booked. But going back to Buff Bagwell, he, I'm surprised they brought him in because he has had he had a bad history when it involves his mother. Now for people that don't know, Buff Bagwell's mom would call and raise holy hell with management over the way they were treating her son. <laughs> I remember watching a discussion with Jim Ross where he talked about Buff's mom called him and was complaining about the way Buff was being treated, why he wasn't being pushed. And Jim Ross was like, you know what? Your son is a man. He doesn't need his mama <laughs> calling here, complaining about him, Say if he's if he's got an issue with us, he needs to come to us like a man and talk to us himself.
0: Yeah, that's, that's...
1: – I mean, that's the definition of a mama's boy. I mean, that's just taken a little bit too far when you got your, your mom calling trying to handle your business. Yeah. It was a storyline in WCW, but it was but it was it was grounded in real life because that kind of stuff really happened.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember them putting her on a forklift for reasons that were not apparent at the time. Uh, right, <laughs> but yeah, I remember I remember her coming in, but yeah, Buff, like you said, he had a great look, but he just I don't think he I don't think he had the passion for wrestling. It was just kind of a oh this is something I can do. Like he he was trained as a masseuse. And um, and then now he's obviously working, I guess, as a gigolo. <laughs> I'm
1: not. <laughs> yeah, he's a male prostitute. I mean, like, you know, let's call it what it is. That's what, <laughs> what he is. Is a male prostitute. But so, yeah, it was <laughs> the, the whole thing. And then I remember that that night they had that main event match where Vince McMahon all night long was trying to get Tori Wilson to sign, but he kept taking her to different areas of the building, trying to seduce her. Oh, yeah. Kurt Angle and Steve Austin's trying to win his praises. I mean, it's funny television, but it was like that's where they were pushing that envelope, yeah. you know, around this time. They're pushing that envelope of, of you know, the sex. And I think it was starting to become I thought it was starting to wear down on people a little bit. It's like, yeah, it was cool at first. It was edgy at first. But then after a while, it just becomes kind of watered. Yeah. Down. And it, it really looks like a vanity project when it's,
0: you know, Vince McMahon with his pants around his ankles Telling Tori Wilson that he's got a big surprise for her, and you know, right. I mean, You know, it's. It, 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 I, I mean, you know, if you own the company, I guess that's your your place and your right to do something like that. But, but it doesn't it doesn't make you look good. It makes makes you look like a chunk. So, um, you know, it it yeah. uh, it definitely didn't work. And, um, I want to say, uh, didn't this was around the time that DDP showed up as a, as a stalker of the undertaker's wife as well
1: yeah, that was another thing that was completely out of left field. Here you had this guy in w c w he was he was considered you know the people's champ mm-hmm. you know he was a guy that started kind of kind of late in his career, but he had earned the respect of the people he had become a champion over there i mean he he was a big deal in w c w and then they bring him into w w e and he's stalking the undertaker's wife. nothing about that made sense no it really did. not even when I'm watching it, I'm thinking why why is he a stalker? I mean no that's <laughs> and there was <were, laughs> no real big payoff to it either, which we'll talk about, no. but it's like man, they just they, they brought him in and he was immediately doomed from the start yeah he never even a lot of these guys yeah were, he ne- which which and we'll <laughs> tell people that we want to do a whole podcast on the invasion because we feel like that whole invasion angle is something that can be talked about in a podcast, so we'll just go over bits and pieces here but yeah, man, it just they they just did not treat any of those guys right. I think they wanted them to prove themselves to be WWE stars, so they had to reinvent themselves. Yeah, I was not
0: crazy when he pulled off the balaclava and it was DDP under there. I was like, of all the people that you have access to, you pick like the people's champion from WCW. Like, <laughs> it is absolutely ridiculous. And then he didn't get any any offense what? in, and that pretty much didn't entire feud
1: oh no he was made look like a chump throughout the entire feud when i first saw that when he first took it i was with a living with an ex-girlfriend at the time we took off his helmet. she thought it was mr perfect she goes mr perfect i'm like no that's not kurt (laughs) henning but right now i'm kind of wishing that it was
0: (laughs) i think in my memory (laughs) in my memories it's just going to be that it was kurt henning (laughs) yeah (laughs) but
1: yeah Uh, it was so that that will lead i mean so they did end up kind of changing storylines. Like you said, Triple H was out with an injury. Chris Benoit just went out with an injury. So I think they thought this was an opportune time now to start to bring the WCW wrestlers in. So the, you know they had the Shane McMahon come on TV with a storyline where Vince was blocking him from getting his own show. That is, you know, he was winning things with his pocketbook. So he was going to bring his wrestlers in to invade the W, the WWF. With When, um, that's when they had the invasion pay-per-view and like like you said, it was, it it wasn't a bad pay-per-view, but I think it could have been so much more if they would have got a lot of the big name talent that they wouldn't acquire until probably the next year.
0: And that's the sad thing about all of it is, you know, they all ended up showing up in WWF at one point or another. And it's like, if you would have invested at that time when the iron was still hot, this thing would have been huge. But they didn't want to invest, and then they made everybody look stupid. And it was it was just it was done by the end of the year. I mean, we're talking about this is July, and it's done before November, which was the last. Well,
1: it, it, it finished that Survivor yeah. Series, or yeah, yeah done at so November. Yeah. yeah. So, so, well, think about it: is this thing was falling flat on its face before the Invasion pay per view to the point where ECW also went out of business. Paul Heyman went to work with WWF. Mm-hmm. So they brought EC, old ECW talent in and had Stephanie McMahon be the one to buy ECW. So then you had three <laughs> tribe brands against each other on the same show. Then they had Stephanie and Shane merge their talent, and they still all look like chumps against the WWE. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, the only guys that I remember looking halfway decent through the whole thing were probably Kidman, RVD, and um, Booker T to, to a certain extent. But everybody else, man, they just look like, you know, they, were, they should have been main eventing heat. And it was just, it, they, didn't, they didn't do anybody any justice. And it, it just, it,
1: it really kind of sucks in hindsight. Well, if you look at the results of the Invasion pay-per-view, it doesn't look like the Alliance, I think they won maybe a couple matches but everything else was all WWF.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only, the only big match that they won, they won the main event, but it was because WWF champion Steve Austin turned on Team WWF. That was, I mean, it, you know, it was the only reason they won. <laughs> it was, so what does that say about your team when it, it takes a
1: big turn like that for you to for to win? But. but yeah, I mean, steve austin was starting to get over again i mean as they were going against this alliance now the alliance was considered the bat you know the heels because that's the way that they were they were booked to be so steve austin was starting to become a face again mm-hmm. but then he ends up turning to go with the alliance because i think they realized they needed a big strong lead to lead, lead this yeah. thing because it was falling flat on yeah the face. i think
0: he, he lended some credibility to it but you know, in in, in in a logical sense, Steve Austin's a guy that got fired via FedEx while he was out with an injury. He was not happy about his time in WCW, especially after Hogan came in, and he was very adamant about it. And now you're having him be the epitome of WCW was kind of a weird thing. But I understand why they did it in hindsight. But at, at the same time, it's like none of that makes sense in a logical like if you know even a little bit about the backstory of wrestling, that doesn't make any sense. But
1: no, I mean, he ended up turning on Kurt Angle in this match, which set off a big storyline feud between the two of them. Now up until this point, I think Steve Austin was dealing with a minor injury, so him and him and Kurt Angle started doing some comedy skits. Up to this point, they kind of had a frenemy friendship going on. They do little skits like. Uh, they, they were trying to suck up to Vince McMahon, so they'd sing in front of him. I remember the cowboy hat oh, incident, my gosh. all kinds of funny stuff. <laughs> if people don't know what we're talking about, basically Steve Austin gave everybody cowboy hats. He got one for himself and Vince McMahon, and he even got a present for Kurt Angle. It was a little, it was a little kid's cowboy hat that Kurt Angle <laughs> put on, wore proudly, and was like, "Yeah, I'm a little
0: cowboy." <laughs> he said, "I got one for you too, you little rascal."
1: <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, I feel like a real cowboy. Yippee ki yay! <laughs> yeah, and, and Kurt Angle was just—he was hilarious, man. When his comedy was on, it was—it was on, man. And him and Austin just—they had that perfect foil, b- bouncing back and forth. But now Austin turned on so this would set up a couple months storyline. I think they were the main event of SummerSlam, actually. Going into going into SummerSlam, yeah, and that was actually where The Rock would return as well um, to take on Booker T. Yep, the go ahead, sorry. Yeah, basically, I mean, if if you want to look at it, he, I mean, they they had a good back and forth match, but you knew Rock was winning this match. I mean, he they they had Booker T. I think this was the first time he defended the WCW Championship in WWE, mm-hmm. and he actually lost it to The Rock that yep. night. Yeah, and it was it was actually a good match um you know they they complement
0: each other well and booker's a hell of a talent one of his favorite matches he's ever had um but it <clears throat> but like you said i mean you knew who was gonna win going into it it was you know rock was the returning hero after after austin turned his back on everybody so i mean it, it made sense within that within the context of the story
1: and then you had the brothers of destruction Kane and the undertaker basically they took the WCW tag team championship from Diamond Dallas Page and Canyon so they were the WWF and the WCW tag team champions and they just this still cage match it was a one-sided affair i mean undertaker and kane just basically squashed both yeah of these it teams. was it was one-sided as all get out i mean i don't
0: i don't even remember DDP or Canyon getting in any kind of significant offense, and and I want to say this,
1: no, it was just, it was just ten minutes of a pure ass kicking. That's <laughs> what it was. I mean it, you know it. They they, they got nothing on them at all. So this whole storyline with Diamond Dallas Page stalking Sarah, I mean, I think he should have got at least one win to really amp it up and to really have a payoff. But he got his ass kicked every time he was in there with Undertaker. Yeah. And it just it did well, him no
0: favors. It did no favors for Well anybody. and the the big payoff of the entire feud was he got his ass kicked by Sarah. She tapped him out, I think, on a raw
1: episode. Yeah. And she either tapped him out or she pinned him. I think it was, it was I think Oh I no, think I think you're right.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. But but still, I mean and and you know, <laughs> I I have nothing against women at all. I don't I think, you know, they wanna Get in there and do intergender matches. That's fine, but she's the she's not even she wasn't even a professional wrestler, and and to have you know DDP just be made to look like a fool like that was just it was unnecessary.
1: Oh yeah, like I said, it was just a big. That's why a lot of the big name talent didn't join because no. when we talk about Sting, we'll talk about there was an interview with him. We talked about why he didn't go to WWF. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that when when we when we do the podcast on him.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: But I remember uh, Steve Steve Austin got uh, disqualified in the match against Kurt Angle. I think he knew, he knew he was going to mm-hmm. lose, so he got himself disqualified. And then then they had the championship match in Indianapolis. It was at uh, Conseco Fieldhouse where Kurt Angle won the title. Really, I don't know if you were there for that. No, I not. was
0: there when Austin beat him later on down the road. It was like his last title title win, but. Um, I wasn't there for uh for Kurt. Um, I do know.
1: No, I'm sorry. Austin defeat. Yeah, yeah. Kurt Angle de- defeated Austin. Yeah, it was, it was it was it was a match on Monday night. It was on Monday oh. Night Raw that was here at uh uh Conseco. Okay. Maybe I might be remembering it wrong. I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, they um, <clears throat> yeah they, they ended up having another match the following month at Unforgiven, and that. I want to say that was the one where uh, Kurt Angle had him in the ankle lock and Austin's hand was under the rope, but he still tapped out. And so, um, Kurt Angle took back the WWF championship in that match, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, he did. He, he, ended, he ended up did becoming champion. But um, the night after SummerSlam, I'll, I'll never forget, is when they had – so they decided to have Austin Appreciation Night. The Alliance got together to give him an appreciation. Oh, yeah. And he was starting to bully Taz. Well, then, kind of in a re- retrospect to when Austin came through with a bear truck, yeah. Kurt Angle comes to the ring in a milk truck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just starts blasting the ring with cartons of milk. He has a hose where he's spraying milk on everybody. It was it was a the scene ender for Raw, and it was an unforgettable moment that yeah. Still sticks with me to this day. It was okay. just hilarious seeing him drive out in yep. a milk and truck. Oh, Jim goodness. Ross with the line of the year: "The billion-dollar princess is
0: now the dairy queen." Well, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I, I loved it. it. It just turned that inside out. It was a lot of it was a
1: lot of fun. And uh, well, Carter Engel said that night after afterwards. You know, he had to get mm-hmm. on a plane to go somewhere else. So when he did, you know, he was still dressed in his attire. Where you know. Still have milk. Oh, in him, so God. The milk is starting to spoil. And He said people on the plane were just aggravated because <laughs> they smelled like spoiled oh, milk. Oh, no.
0: That's disgusting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That... I think if it was me, I, w- I would at least try to shower on the way out.
0: Yeah, but... maybe. Maybe bring a fresh change of clothes. I don't know. I, I'll stay away from covering myself in milk intentionally. <laughs> right. <laughs> but.
1: And then I, another match I remembered and I'm forgiven that I was looking forward to, but it really didn't deliver like I thought it would was Brothers of Destruction against oh, Chronic. Boy. Now, Chronic was Brian Adams and Brian mm-hmm. Clark, who were built as a monster tag team in WCW. You know, Brian 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 Adams before was an atom bomb in WWF, and Brian Clark was crushed for many years. So I really thought that they would mesh well and they'd just have a, a match, but it just didn't come off that one no and it's actually
0: i think i think it's on wrestle 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 crap is one of the worst uh matches the undertakers ever had uh obviously the the one at crown jewel is taking the cake but well two of them at crown jewel now have taken the cake but but that that they just the timing was bad and just it it, the execution was bad and it just ended up looking looking bad and it, it and Undertaker wanted to work yeah. with him because he was best friends with Brian Clark. Say,
1: so, he, you know, they were really looking forward to working together, but it just, the match just didn't, it just didn't no, I was going to well. say, him, Brian Clark was a member of his, like, uh, backstage, what, B, BR, BSR
0: group or whatever it is that Undertaker's in backstage with, like, Godfather and um, there's other, I can't even think right now. I think, like, Mr. Fuji was in it and stuff. But like he had his own but yeah, he had his own yeah. like clan of people that he hung out with backstage and that was I think Brian Clark was one of them. Yeah, uh Midian was one yeah. of them.
1: Hopefully he wasn't naked Midian at the time, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Median was one of them and Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that was that was another uh, thing in the Attitude era where they just try these different gimmicks with wrestlers and one of the wrestlers they gave uh Median, they had him come out to the ring and nothing but I think it was a I think it was a it
0: was a fanny pack.
1: Uh, fanny pack and a thong yeah. underneath so he would come out as naked midian and it was yeah. just it was disturbing to watch. It's something I don't even really want no, to No, but it's but. definitely
0: on YouTube if you want to go and look at it cuz he I <laughs> yeah. want to say he used to be one of the um, Godwin brothers, right? Dennis Knight.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, he was one of the one of the Godwins. Yep. So uh, another thing was uh I'm looking here Christian actually wrestled Edge. And defeated him for the Intercontinental title. So they had broken up Edge and Christian after Edge won Mm -hmm. King's Ring. They wanted to get, they pushed them both off on singles runs. Christian ended up turning on Edge and becoming the heel, and Edge ended up becoming a a face for a while. I think it was just kind of a test to see if these two could perform on their own because WWF had big, you know, aspirations for Edge. They saw him as a future main eventer and and right. Yeah, so I mean, and
0: they were right in
1: their their um, assessment of that.
0: And I think this was the night after this was when Christian came out and he had a his haircut and he had a new vein, like egocentric personality. It was uh, um, he had the, you know, the falling uh, pyrotechnics like Randy Orton did when he when he was on his own. And um,
1: I, I just remember him. Well, even the start of the song was like, at last, you're yeah, on your own. Exactly.
0: Yeah. He was very, very egocentric and very like, oh, you know, Edge was holding me back that whole time but but it was really yeah. that he was jealous of Edge's success and being a champion yeah. and you know winning the king of the ring and all those things but um but yeah and i i didn't realize um in uh, at no mercy that uh, Austin faced Kurt Angle and Rob Van Dam in a triple threat match which is actually pretty cool
1: yeah Rob Van Dam was really over i mean i think he was one of the few i think he was the only one actually from the ECW side that got over with the fans i mean because he was charismatic he was athletic like i said taz didn't didn't work out that well in fact taz got bullied in the alliance a lot by steve yeah. austin i don't know if that was by design or, or what but he just he just took a, a lashing from him almost every time yeah that's that's unfortunate
0: i mean like we said you know taz's wwf careers on is didn't work out like i don't think anybody i think everybody hoped that it would work out better than it ended up working out but um but, yeah, and and like you said, Robbie and Dam, man, I, he, he was like an outlier. Like, nobody wanted to even treat him like a heel because he did, you know, this cool shit that we hadn't seen before. Like, you know, the Van Terminator and, you know, the Van uh, Daminator and all those things.
1: I think Rolling Thunder, too, Yeah, right? he did
0: that, too. And then, obviously, the five-star frog splash. I mean, we've seen fro- frog splashes before. But, but just, you know, throwing a guy a chair and then jumping up and kicking it on top of his head was something we
1: had not seen before. And – I will say, he. I think he had one of the coolest theme songs. I think that one-of-a-kind song really fit him well. I don't know.
0: His TNA one was, was probably the greatest.
1: Oh, God. Let's not go there. <laughs> I'm going to put... Pl- I was hoping... <laughs> I was going to bring that up, but I was like, yeah, his, his WWF entrance music was a lot better than his TNA one.
0: I'm going to play it one of these weeks. <laughs>
1: God. I mean, literally, this song was was them was them talking throughout the song about every move that, that he did. They call him Rob Van Dam, Five Star Swag Splash. It was so it stupid. Was
0: the worst song I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But uh, thank God it didn't hold him back. Yeah. I mean, his talent his talent overshadowed that song. Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. definitely. And um, I've I've heard that he might be making a, some kind of return to WWE WWE, but
1: um, I don't. Well, uh, he did get released from Impact. I know that he, him, and his his girlfriend, wife, whatever you want to call her, Katie Forbes, are no longer with yeah. Impact. So that you know, he could be well be on his way back to yeah. uh, WWE. We'll see. I mean, I think
0: at this point, he's just he's a good veteran hand to have. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a main event guy, but he has that cachet where he can make make their guys look good by you know by being in the ring with him. So hopefully, they're uh, him and Katie are in a package deal though, because I, I could do
1: without her, but. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Right, little...
1: well this was also uh, the event where too where we saw uh, Chris Jericho against The Rock and actually defeated The Rock to become the WCW champion. So the whole time, you know, Chris Jericho finally achieved his dream of becoming a champion and the, for you know, but it was the WCW championship,
0: yeah. which was something
1: that he had lobbied for before when he was there the first time, but they never saw him as main event material. They saw him as mid-card at best. No,
0: and I I want to say was it 2000? They did the test run of him where he beat Triple H one night, and
1: uh, yeah, he beat- it, it was it was in April. He he beat yeah. him, but it was a fast count by the referee, so they ended up reversing the decision. But it was a test to see how people would respond. Yep, to a uh, yep. Jericho because cause, you know like we talked about, he didn't have that great of an entrance. He didn't have that great of an introduction into the company. No. Uh, he was able to get past that and that actually become one of the best greatest superstars they ever had.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely be doing a Jericho episode one day, um, you know, but he, he keeps writing in the book right now. So it's, it's going <laughs> to, you know, we're, we're going to have to, it's going to be a long one, but, uh, but we'll definitely do that. But uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> he, you know, this was his big moment and he was actually, I want to say he was the last WCW champion in, in history. Because after you know after those belts were merged, it was
1: never called the WCW Championship again. No, when they brought when they brought it back in late two thousand and two, which we'll talk about on the next podcast, it was re re-christened the World Heavyweight Championship instead mm-hmm. of no more WCW was attached yep. to it. So,
0: so that led us into November with the winner take all Alliance versus Team WWF,
1: and uh, yeah, this was Survivor Series. Now at this time, Mick Foley was commissioned. Well. He was the on-air commissioner, and he talked about how there were too many titles in WWF because WCW, when they brought WCW, they brought the titles with them, the, the United States Championship, mm-hmm. the WCW Tag Team Championship, the WCW Championship. So they decided to merge all of those titles uh, in matches at Survivor Series. I remember Edge Edge defeated Test to become the unified mm-hmm. Intercontinental United States Championship, the Deadly Boys beat the Hardy boys in a steel cage match to unify the WCW and WWF championships. Uh Uh, Trish Stratus became the women's champion at this event. It was the first time the women's champion was resurrected since China vacated it back when she left the company back in May. I believe. Oh, wow. So this was the start of, you know, Trish Stratus, she had her big moment at WrestleMania Mm -hmm. and she started to become really popular. She's really popular with, with everybody. And she was, you know, she finally uh, was paid off for all the hard work she had done by becoming the Women's Championship. She defeated Ivory, Jazz, Jacqueline, Lita, and Mighty Molly, who would become the cornerstones of the women's division of that era at that time. Yep,
0: absolutely. They all had really great matches, and um, and this this was a good, like you said, man, it was a great time for women's wrestling. Um so it, it started, you know, started with Trish and Lita and and it, it just, they kept attracting more talent and it became something that it hadn't been in a long time. And, um, and it,
1: well, it kind of fell to the wayside in the later 2000s, but yeah. NXT to me really revitalized Absolutely. it and has helped firm.
0: Yep. Absolutely. They treat it seriously, which, you know, that that was what really needed to change on the main roster. So, um, So in in our, in the main event of that show, uh, team WWF was composed of the rock Chris Jericho, the big show Kane and the undertaker. And they defeated Steve Austin, Shane McMahon, Kurt angle, Booker T and Rob Van Dam in the winner take all match. And the big takeaway from this was Kurt angle was basically a mole inside the Alliance and turned on Austin. Uh, to, to help The Rock win the win the uh, winner take oh. all match.
1: Have a double turn because he did. He did turn on everybody. I think it was a month before to join the alliance. And Then he, he turned on Steve yeah. Austin, and so of course Vince McMahon came out at the end, raised his hands in the air. You know, WWF won. The alliance is dead. But it was the next night on Raw where people were booing Angle because he because of you know. Basically being a, a Judas, so they weren't really applauding pr- no. him for what he, for what he was doing, and this started with Steve Austin's <laughs> turn back to being a face again. So they kind of switched roles, where Steve Austin would become the face, and Kurt Angle was went back into heel mode.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean that makes sense too. Um, so we got about nine minutes left. You ready to talk uh, talk the uni-
1: unified championship? Yeah, I, I will say that that night. For Survivor Series, it was it was a pretty significant night. Jerry Lawler returned to the company after being away mm-hmm. when he left the company, you know, back in April or, or March because you know they they fired his wife. Well, they ended up getting a divorce. He returned to the company after Paul Heyman was ousted because he was part of the alliance. So he took over the commentary table, and also Ric Flair made his re-debut back in WWE that night. It was at the very end of the show where Ric Flair uh, finally came back to the WWF and revealed that he mm-hmm. was now part owner with Vince McMahon of the WWF.
0: Oh, that's right. He bought like, uh, the other, was it Linda, Shane, and Stephanie? Yeah. He, he or bought like their, that?
1: basically the storyline was he bought their shares. So him and Vince were now partners and both, um, owned the company, which would lead to the brand split on the next year. But yeah, th- okay. so that, that was the okay. start of that.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, because they sold off their shares of WWF to buy, to buy WCW and ECW respectively was was I think what the yeah. storyline was. Um,
1: yeah, and so. then and then Rick Flair, you know, being Rick Flair as he, is, dirtiest player in the game, snuck his way right in there and uh, became half owner with. Uh, That's the fans
0: Well, it's a, it was a it was a good way to bring him in, and you know, it's unfortunate that this was the point when you know, Mister WCW. I mean the the uh, most iconic person in the company's history shows up a month after the night the after the night after the invasion, invasion, the invasion, after the
1: invasion angle died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we also saw yeah. the debut of the Vincent I mean, Kiss My Ass Club that night as William Regal became its first participant. Uh which we'll talk about more in the next the next podcast because yeah. that was he would not be yeah. the last the first and last one. Yeah. But that brings us on to Vince. Oh. And so they decided now that they would All the other championships were merged, except for the WCW and the WWF title. And they decided Mm -hmm. to have um, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho were the two respective champions. Chris Jericho, WCW, Steve Austin, WWF. And they faced off against people they had already wrestled in that card. Steve Austin defeated Kurt Angle. Chris Jericho defeated The Rock. And those two would go on to... Mm -hmm. Russell in the last match to unify those titles
0: yep and surprisingly to everyone um chris jericho walked away as the very first undisputed champion in wwe everybody thought it was going to be stone cold for
1: sure but vince mcmahon ended up coming down and screwing austin once again and he was responsible for chris jericho walking away being the first ever undisputed champion walking away with both titles
0: Yep, and he was—he's the only person, to my knowledge, that beat The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night. I mean, at least in WWF terms. And then, like you said, like we said, the very first Universal Champion, and that would
1: lead into a whole new kettle of fish, as they say in in two thousand and two. So I mean, it, it's kind of unfortunate because I think he was just kind of seen as a placeholder until you mm-hmm. know WrestleMania time. But still, that can't be taken away from him—the fact that he wrestled the two biggest stars of the attitude era and beat them both on the same night to become the undisputed champion. I mean yeah. to me it's pretty it's yeah. pretty significant, you know, notch in the career.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean and that's you, you talk about the the other people in the tournament, you know, Austin, Kurt Angle, The Rock. I mean, those are you know, that's the cream of the crop right there, especially at that time, so to to elevate Jericho into that group was saying a lot about what they thought what potential they saw in Jericho and what they thought that he could bring to the table. And obviously they knew, I mean, he's a fantastic heel. I mean, well, they didn't know it, but you know, he's a fantastic heel and, you know, he, he's a great worker and that's, you know, thankfully it's something that carried through. I mean, unfortunately, like we talk about next week, you know, the build up to WrestleMania 18 wasn't ideal for Jericho triple H, which should have been a big match, uh, just given their history. But, um, but, yeah, um, I think Jericho was the right one to be that, that universal champion that
1: everyone hated. Yeah, and they, and they had to throw that that unpredictability in there. You know, they uh, they didn't want to go the predictable route. It's like, well, let's throw Rich in there. And, you know, because yeah, everybody think either – going into that, people thought it was going to be either the Rock or Stone Cold. It was going to be one of those two that was going to be the first undisputed champion. There was going to be nobody else. And then when the when Chris right. Jericho went over on the Rock and he goes going against Austin in the final, you're like – Okay, well, maybe it's just going to be Austin. They're going to give that ball to. and it turns out being Jericho, they just completely threw you for a yeah. loop. I was like, "Oh, wow, they're throwing some confidence in this guy," you know, because he was he was really, <laughs> you know, starting starting to come around. Like like you said, he was slowly building building up. They they did it the right way with him.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember, you know, I I've, I've been a Jericho Mark for a long time, but. Man, I was getting razz that night because my my friends were you know Austin fans, you know through and through. So I wanted Rock or, or Jericho to win, and man, when Jericho won, I got crap for a month. <laughs> 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 so I mean, you know, but that's you you know, it's it's fun. It's all it's all in good fun. But uh, yeah, we're, we'll, but we'll, yeah, I was I was excited. Probably after
1: that. the Attitude error is done, we'll we'll go into the Invasion angle because. There's a lot. There's a lot we went over in 2001 to try to get through the year, but I think the invasion angle just it deserves its own audience because of how significant it was, and we can talk about the pros and the cons of it because there were some good points to it, but there are also some very bad points to it.
0: Yeah, and I think honestly it might be fun one day to. I mean, this is this isn't anything that hasn't been done before, but to maybe fantasy book, or like talk about like what we would have liked to have seen, um, you know later on yeah. down the line. But um but uh but yeah. Um so that's I think that's gonna put a bow on two thousand and one, Jesse. Um we'll uh we'll sh- join you guys next week. We'll uh get caught up please with our uh catching up podcast from last Friday and Watch or listen to this one, obviously, and um, we will. Uh, we always ask you for your reviews on Apple Podcasts and your subscriptions on any service, and um, tell your friends about us. Uh, this is something we do because we love it, and uh, you know, it's. We just want to share our love of wrestling with other people. There's way too much negativity in the wrestling world, and
1: we're trying to bring some positivity to it. So.
0: Jesse, um you got any other words of wisdom on our way out tonight? No, just
1: want to say uh, we we appreciate all, all the listeners, you know, sticking with us because it is something that we love to talk about. It's a, it's a passion of ours. It's a hobby, and we're just glad to share it with everybody and and hope everybody loves listening to it. Yep, absolutely.
0: So, till next time, we're gonna tag out. Good night, Jesse. Have all right, a you too, one, buddy. Friend.
1: Talk to you later. Happy to be safer, one. <laughs>
0: term local post is an opinion nation production brought to you by johnny podcast and jesse the body all opinions reflected and views expressed are solely our own and do not reflect the content host or any subsidiaries